When this boy meets world, boy meets world, wandering down this road that we call life, it's what we're doing, it's good to know I have friends who are always stand by me, when this boy meets world. Welcome to Sup Media Reviews, the podcast that never needs spoiler alerts because it takes you back in time to relive the nostalgia of classic TV shows and films that you've probably already seen. I'm your host, Kiara, and each week I'll dive into the archives to bring you my take on movies and TV shows from at least 20 years ago. From cult classics to forgotten gems, I'll review them all and give my honest opinion on their impact and whether or not they still hold up today. Join me as we revisit the iconic characters, memorable moments, and timeless themes that made these shows and films so special. So take a break from adulting and get ready for a trip down memory lane with Sup Media Reviews. What's up, Home Slices? Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Sub Media Reviews. I'm your host, Kiara, and I am really excited to review the 1993 to 2000 television series, Boy Meets World, featuring Ben Savage as Corey Matthews, Ryder Strong as Sean Hunter, Danielle Fischel as Topanga Lawrence, and William Daniels as George Feeney. I remembered enjoying this show as a kid, and I have not revisited it since then. So I was pretty excited to get to experience it again for this review and talk about why so many people from my generation were really impacted by it. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of this review, here are a few fun facts. The first fun fact is that occurring around the fifth season of the show, Ryder Strong, who played Sean, wanted to quit simply because he wanted to go to college. Michael Jacobs, who I believe is the writer or director of the show, told him that they could work out a schedule so he could go to college. And he did. The second fun fact is that the episodes Promises Promises from 1998, If You Can't Be With The One You Love, also in 1998, and The Truth About Honesty in 1998. 1999 were banned from airing on Disney Channel due to their frank discussion about premarital sex and teen drinking. So there are some adult themes in this show. And the final fun fact is that according to a 2013 article in People Magazine, Sean and Corey's friendship is one of the best friendships in the history of television. I don't know about all that, but that's just according to People Magazine. (laughs) If you want to check out Boy Meets World for yourself, you can watch it on Disney Plus as of the recording of this episode. So my personal connection to this show is kind of interesting. I love shows that are about like normal life. I feel like entertainment today can really be chaotic and it's difficult to find a show like Boy Meets World in modern times that allows us to find humor and good messages and like a lot of entertainment in everyday life occurrences. You know, we expect shows to have these either really dark elements or really scientific like sci-fi elements or lots of action and twists and turns and Boy Meets World is one of those shows 
skills that's really just about everyday life and getting to peer into someone else's world and find those commonalities. Similar to how I felt about Hey Arnold, right? Like it's just a normal cartoon about a boy who lives in a neighborhood with his fourth grade friends. And I really enjoyed those shows because there is beauty in everyday life. Another thing about my personal connection to this show is that it addressed a number of like grown up issues as the show continued and as the people grew up. We got to experience the main character from ages 13 all the way up to 20. So as the show progressed, of course, more adult themes come up. And I feel like that's like a really realistic way to approach things. So some of the issues that they addressed included growing up in familial dysfunction, alcoholism, sex, interracial relationships, and other things. So I like that they weren't necessarily afraid to push the envelope and kept it realistic to like what a person might be going through in that age range. I also feel like growing up, I found a lot of the people who were in this show attractive. Now, the people in this show were actually about 10 years older than I was. And so in some ways, I kind of looked up to them or wanted to be like them. But some of the guys in this show were like very cute to me. I always liked Corey's older brother. His friend Sean was cute. Sean has a half brother in the show named Jack that was very cute. And I was like, this is a good looking cast. And I mean, Topanga was so beautiful, like ridiculously beautiful. Like, why does anybody need to be that pretty? I always thought that she was really nice and had like a good personality too. And and I also liked Angela, who was like the only black kind of main character that came in later in the show. I always thought she was beautiful as well. These were just like some good looking people. So you either wanted to be like them or wanted to be with them. And I, you know, was an element of the show as well. And finally, I want to point out that I have never seen an episode of Girl Meets World. That show was on from 2014 to 2017, and it was a reboot of Boy Meets World that featured Corey and Topanga as the parents of said girl who's meeting world. I have no idea how any of the themes or like how the original show ties into the reboot. So I'm not going to be discussing that at all, just for your information. But I will say that having a reboot years later shows how impactful the show really was. I also want to point out that Boy Meets World is the only show that was on TGIF. I don't know if any of you all remember this, but back in the day on ABC, there was... (laughs) There was a segment of shows called TGIF, which of course stands for Thank Goodness It's Friday. But I remember so vividly that being a part of my childhood, like on Friday night, you would sit down and you would watch a number of shows that all came on. So Boy Meets World was one of them. I believe like Sabrina and the Teenage Witch was another. And there were a few other shows that were really like a part of the TGIF family or whatever, which was, you know, programming that I would say were probably before kids that were in the preteen teen era that type of situation I really enjoy TGIF and if you have any fond memories of it let me know put it in the comments but yeah for me I really love TGIF and Boy Meets World is actually the only show that was a part of the TGIF lineup that actually has never not been in syndication so it was syndicated 
on, I believe it was like three different channels, a Disney channel, another network, I'm drawing a blank. But the point is that of all of the shows that were on TGIF, all beloved shows, all of those at some point have been out of syndication, but people love Boy Meets World so much that it has been syndicated over the years since it ended 23 years ago. So I think that's really impressive and it goes to show that this show was like a big deal. So I'm super excited to dive into Boy Meets World, but first we're going to do a quick overview of the show and the main characters, and then I'm going to do a deep dive into three of the most iconic episodes that I think illustrate the spirit of the whole show. Boy Meets World takes place in Philadelphia, where we follow Corey, the main character, through ages 13 through 20. We get to see him grow, fall in love, go to school, and basically everything else that a normal kid experiences. It's a pretty slow coming-of-age story that gripped the hearts of millions in the early to late 90s, and here are the main characters of the show. We have Corey Matthews, of course, who is played by Ben Savage, whose first name is actually Cornelius, which is hilarious. I never thought of Corey as being a shortened version of Cornelius, but it is a very good shortened version of that name. It's much more acceptable than Cornelius, which kind of comes across as nerdy to me. I'm sorry if your name is Cornelius. (laughs) But anyways... He's the main character of the show, the main person that we're following in the show. And Corey is a witty kid who eventually evolves into like a neurotic and funny young man who has a strong moral code and a deep love for his family, friends, and loved ones. So we all like Corey. Next, we have Sean Hunter, who is played by Ryder Strong. Ryder Strong is a weird name, and it sounds like someone who might be in the adult entertainment industry. (laughs) I I hope he didn't get any of those jokes because it's hard when you're reading it. It doesn't come across that way. But when you say the name Ryder Strong, it's like, "Mm, okay, like who named him that? I'm sorry. But anyways, Sean is Corey's best friend and he's basically the second most important character on the show. Sean in a lot of ways is like the opposite of Corey. He's popular. He's a rebel and he has a limited parental guidance or familial stability. So yeah, a lot of times we see Sean as having a very different perspective than Corey, which helps to like round out their friendship and the show. Next up, we have Topanga Lawrence, who's played by Danielle Fischel. She is Corey's love interest and eventually becomes his girlfriend, fiance, and wife by the end of the series. Topanga started out as the daughter of hippies and then transformed into like an average teenager as the years went on and an above average student. Also, she has the best hair in the world. Oh my gosh, I wish I had Topanga's hair. And she's super beautiful. Again, ridiculously beautiful. Every man who watched Boy Meets World was looking for Topanga. She's just so pretty. I don't understand how she's just so beautiful. Anyways, (laughs) I feel like she was out of Corey's league. And here's what I want to say. I find that a lot of average looking men, that if they can hook a young lady in middle school and stick with her, that's like the easiest way to keep somebody who's out of your league. (laughs) It's to hook them when they're young. And I'm not saying that for creepy old men who are preying on 18 year old women. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you and that other person are in middle school, kind of like Kev on stage, you know, his wife, Melissa, 
It's very beautiful and in a lot of ways out of his league. And he kind of hooked her in when they were, I think, 16, like 10th grade, maybe. And they've been together ever since. And it's working out for him. So, yeah, if there are any middle schoolers or high schoolers listening, once you get to college and you don't have it hooked down, She's going to escape your grasp. So uh, (laughs) just an FYI. So most of the show actually follows the love story between Corey and Topanga. And it includes a lot of challenges like moving away, exploring other relationships, breakups, etc. So they are a big part of this show and why people love it. Next up, we have Eric Matthews, played by Will Friedel, who is Corey's wacky older brother whose silly and lighthearted approach to life does not stop him from being the big brother we wish we all had. And of course, he does the big brother stuff like making fun of him and making life hard for his little brother, but he is also protective as well. Um, you may also know Will Friedel as the man who voiced Ron Stoppable from Disney Channel's Kim Possible. So he has done a lot of voiceover work, mainly because he has experienced mental health issues that create a lot of anxiety for him to actually be in front of the camera acting anymore. So voice acting is one of the ways that he continues to like be able to work in the entertainment industry without having the anxiety of having to perform in front of a camera. So it actually makes me pretty sad. But you do what you got to do to protect your own mental health. Next up, we have Morgan Matthews, who was played by two people earlier, Lily Nixay and later on, Lindsay Ridgway. But Morgan is the younger sister of Eric and Corey. She antagonizes Corey and kind of idolizes Eric and is mostly used for comedic relief. I do think they missed some opportunities to round her out as a character. She kind of felt a little tacked on for me. But the show is called Boy Meets World and she's a girl and it's not about her. So whatever. Next up, we have George Feeney, who is played by William Daniels. He's Corey's next door neighbor and teacher throughout school. This is one of the weirdest things about this show. He basically follows the kids throughout their educational journeys. At some point, we hear that he actually taught Corey in first grade and through elementary school. When the show starts, he is their teacher in sixth grade, which is middle school. He also goes on to teach them in high school and eventually becomes the principal of their high school. And then he goes on to become a professor at Pembroke, which is the college that they go to. Are you obsessed much? Like, why are you following? I understand this is your next door neighbor. I feel like Mr. Feeney is creepy considering how he followed them throughout the show. And I understand that Mr. Feeney was like another kind of stern adult presence and a tool for guidance in the show. He really came across as maybe like everyone's third parent a little bit, more like an authority figure than a loving parent. But following the kids all the way through their educational journey is a little bit weird. Okay, it's very strange. There's a little bit of inconsistencies going on with his job history, but whatever, we're going to skip past that. But yeah, Mr. Feeney is a big part of the village of people who take care of the main characters on Boy Meets World. We also have Alan Matthews, who is played by William Russ, and Amy Matthews, who's played by Betsy Randall. They are the parents of 
Eric, Corey, Morgan, and eventually Joshua Matthews, who is a late life baby that they end up having like way in their 40s or maybe even in their 50s. I don't know how old they were supposed to be when that baby was born. But these parents appear to be really loving parents who are pretty normal. Alan was in the Navy and eventually becomes an entrepreneur when he purchases a nature store. Amy is a calm person in the family who always offers good advice and an understanding ear. So parents pretty understanding. Later on in the show, we get three additional kind of main characters that help round out this circle of friends. We have Rachel McGuire, who was played by Maitland Ward, Angela Moore, who was played by Trina McGee Davis, and Jack Hunter, who was played by Matthew Lawrence. So Rachel joined the show in season six as a roommate to Eric and Jack. She was a potential love interest for some of the guys on the show, and she briefly dates Jack, but at the end of the day, her friendship was just too valuable to mess it up over a whole field relationship. And I get that. I really do get that. So we also have Angela, who is the only black woman in the friend group. She is Sean's long-term girlfriend and Topanga's best friend. She's ridiculously beautiful. And for a minute, she had like these kind of really cool, I don't know if they were crochet braids or whatever. They were like super cute and made her look super interesting. But in the show, she kind of showed up as this artsy, practical, and mature friend. And I really enjoyed her and thought it was cool that there was an interracial relationship on the show that included a Black woman. I was like, to me, that was almost groundbreaking. I'm not even going to lie. I don't know if anybody else feels the same. Um, And finally, we have Jack. Jack is actually Sean's super hot half-brother <laughs> on his dad's side. Jack becomes Eric's best friend and is the roommate to Sean and Eric. Um, he joins Sean in processing some of their family trauma, which includes a history of alcoholism and the death of their father, Chet. So when Jack came onto the show, he was the hot one and he's just a good looking man. That's all I have to say. Even to this day, he still looks the same. Just a good looking man. Okay. Don't argue with me. Um, <laughs> So now it's time for us to get into the episodes. The first episode that we're going to talk about is season one, episode four, called Corey's Alternative Friends. And I'll talk a little bit later about why I chose the episodes that I chose, but I really wanted to make sure that I was able to get the show in different eras because when you go through the journey with someone from age 13 all the way up to 20, your life really can be divided into chapters. So I'm hoping that the episodes that I chose will give us a glimpse into the chapters across this show and that you all will enjoy. These are some of the most highest rated or popular episodes. So I'm hoping that it helps to bring up some memories for you guys. So in this first episode, which again is season one, episode four, the show starts in Mr. Feeney's sixth grade class, which has Corey and Sean in it. And they are doing presentations on environmental conservation. So Corey and Sean go to the front of the class to do their presentation on air pollution. And they have a silly theory that the air pollution in Philadelphia is the reason why the Phillies aren't playing well enough. And Mr. Feeney is like, okay, I made a mistake in letting you all choose your own partners. <laughs> and so he decides to reassign partners. And this, I thought this was really weird because 
They showed two girls doing like a really good presentation on using biodegradable products right before Corey and Sean went up. They did a great job on their presentation. It was super cute. And then Mr. Feeney just randomly kind of reassigns people in the class. And I'm like, is he doing this only for the people who had to make up the presentation? Or is he reassigning the same type of presentation to the entire class? Felt a very, like a very weird thing for a teacher to do, but he ends up reassigning signing the students so they can do another project related to environmental conservation. Again, very strange. And Corey gets assigned to Topanga, who is a cute but strange girl who asked for Corey's hand so she could measure his vibrations. Okay. And like I said, Topanga's parents in the beginning were hippies. So <laughs> she had like strange hippie energy. Okay. We also find out at this point that Mr. Feeney is Corey's next door neighbor. So the theme song comes on and it's a very old version. Again, this is from the first season and I do not recall this theme song. I hate it. The music was horrible. The animation was like scrapbookish. I didn't like it. But anyways, it's lunchtime and Corey gets insecure about his hair after hearing two girls say that someone was a Brillo head. And Corey has very like thick curly hair and so Corey kind of becomes insecure about this so Topanga comes up to him while he's sitting down for lunch and she's like oh Jedediah is gonna bring me over to your house and Corey's like who is Jedediah she was like oh that's my father and he's like okay you call your daddy by his first name and she's like yeah yeah doesn't everybody <laughs> so we see that Topanga is very strange and she comes from a strange family okay even though she is wildly beautiful and has the most long crimped hair in America. Her beauty does not overcome her weirdness and she is just hanging out with the weird kids, okay? Corey doesn't want her to come over because of her being weird and finally he kind of relents. And so Topanga has a petition in her hand to try to save the librarian from a forced retirement, but nobody wants to sign it. So when Feeney was reassigning people, Sean got partnered with Minkus, who's a nerdy kid who is basically going to do the whole project for him and Sean because he don't want to have to deal with Sean. So Topanga, Minkus, and some of the other kids are at like the nerdy slash weird kids table. And of course, because <laughs> Corey is expressing some insecurities about his hair, Sean offers to ask his sister about what she does to straighten her hair. So we're at Sean's house in this next scene and we see the little sister for a little while. But again, she's only there for comic relief. She doesn't really add much to the story. But Corey tries calling his mom by her first name and she's like, excuse me? <laughs> so that doesn't work for him. But Topanga and Corey are there working on their project. Topanga wants to do some weird poem and interpretive dance for their presentation on the ozone layer. And then she uses lipstick to paint a red circle on her face, which I'm assuming represents the hole in the ozone layer. But Corey is like, girl what is this this is going to be too embarrassing and nobody's going to like it and they're going to laugh at us and Topanga confronts him about caring too much about what other people think why are you so worried about that and I don't think Corey really gives her a good answer I think he just doesn't want to be embarrassed so we see that Topanga is a girl who's really true to herself she doesn't care if people make fun of her and she's like you know if your goal is to fit in Corey you fit in well okay with you and your red hat 
So Sean comes into their house again with the sitcoms and people just walking into people's houses. Like I understand that it saves time to have people just walk into other people's houses, but it's not realistic. <laughs> but Sean comes in through the kitchen and he sees the lipstick all over Topanga's face. And he's like, use a mirror, babe. You know, thinking that she missed her lips with the uh, lipstick. And it actually comes back later on in the show, but we're not talking about that episode. But Corey asked Topanga about his hair and she's like, your hair is beautiful, like a desert tumbleweed. And <laughs> Corey ends up kicking her out of the house so that he and Sean can work on straightening his hair. So we're up in Corey's bedroom and he uses the perm from Sean's sister. And he's like, it's burning. Can you call her and ask her if it's supposed to burn like this? Sean calls his sister and his sister's like, well, how long has it been burning? And he says 45 minutes. And she said, you should have washed it out 45 minutes ago. Like, why didn't y'all read the box? So Corey screams so loud that the whole universe hears him. And Corey's mom and brother, Eric, come into the room to see that he has like this straightened wig glued to his head. <laughs> his hair is virtually uncombable and Eric is basically telling him like tall tales to make things worse. Like, oh, you're going to lose all of your hair. Morgan, the young sister, comes in and calls him Punky Brewster. And his dad comes in and thinks he's wearing a hat. So Corey has royally messed up. And as a person who used to get perms back in the day, putting it on for 45 minutes too long would probably mean you're bald. Somehow Corey kept <laughs> his hair. Somehow. Yeah. Corey tries to put his foot down and say, look, because of this hair emergency, I'm not going to school, but he's at school the next day. His parents don't listen to him. That sounds realistic to me. And he's wearing a hat, but Mr. Feeney tells him to take it off. It's a very Mr. Feeney thing to do. No nonsense. Teacher doesn't allow you to wear hats in class. Corey begs to keep it on, but he ends up having to take it off and he has like a weird duck tail. <laughs> And Topanga is the only person who doesn't laugh at Corey. She's like, your hair is just different, you know? So Topanga is showing up as different than the other girls, okay? So it's lunchtime again, and even his best friend Sean makes fun of him, but he sits with Topanga and the other weird kids at the weird kid table, and they are talking about how concerned they are that they aren't getting enough signatures to save the librarian's job. And Corey is like, you know, you all don't know your target demographic or what they care about or, you know, what shows they watch on television. Like you all aren't tapped into what the other kids are doing. And that's the key to getting more signatures so we can save this old librarian. So Corey is going to use his social currency and his knowledge of the regular or cool kids to help the weirdos get signatures for their petition, I guess, in exchange for their kindness and not making fun of his new hairdo. So Back at home, Corey uses pink foam rollers to try to get his curls back. And Eric, his older brother, takes a picture of him with the rollers in and says, I own you now, which I thought was hilarious. He looked ridiculous with the rollers in. And it's just so funny how you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. So I guess that's another message of this show. 
So in the next scene, they're back at school. Corey's hair has gotten worse because of course the rollers didn't do him any justice. And they end up staging some weird protest where Corey and the other weird kids handcuff themselves to each other and to the lockers to block the exit to the school on a Friday. So when the kids are let out of class and they come across this chain link fence of weirdos <laughs> somebody calls Corey Don King <laughs> which I thought was funny <laughs> and Corey starts to make this impassioned plea to save the librarian's job and it took a little minute but Corey convinced him that the old librarian is actually going to keep things lax and if they get a new librarian they're going to have something to prove and their whole study experience is going to be messed up. So that was enough to convince the kids to sign the petition and he helped the weirdos get what they wanted. So now he has social currency in the weirdo pool as well as the regular kids pool. Okay. So Topanga says something nice to him, like along the lines of like, you know, you were a reluctant soldier but a brave soldier or something like that and then Corey is like oh are you gonna kiss me which I thought was a strange escalation she just said something nice to you it doesn't mean that she wants to kiss you like get over yourself but interestingly enough she does push him against the locker and kisses him while he's looking like Don King to show him that it's what's on the inside that counts so it ends up being their first kiss it ends up being Corey's first kiss. It ends up being Topanga's first kiss. And it actually ends up, if I'm not mistaken, being the first kiss of the actors as well. So it was filmed in front of a live studio audience and each of them got their first kiss on screen or otherwise. So that's interesting. Later on, Corey, when he has his regular hair back, don't know how much time has passed, y'all, because permed hair, the operative part of perm is like permanent, right? Like your hair is permanently straightened and it's not going back. So the only way he could have gotten his hair back is if he waited for it to grow out and like cut off the straight end. So I don't know how much time they're proposing that has passed. But anyway, Corey's old hair is back and he confronts the girls who mentioned Brillo head earlier in the show. And they're like, we weren't even talking about you. And so all of that stuff about him being insecure about his hair had nothing to do with him. And I think that's another lesson that we can take from this. Like, you know, sometimes people have insecurities just on their own and it has nothing to do with others. And that just means you got to work on stuff within yourself, y'all, you know, a hit dog hollers. So yeah, the weirdos say he always has a seat with them at the table, even though he decides to sit with his cool friends and he and Topanga exchange a meaningful look and this is the beginning of a a long love story y'all so that's the end of this episode so I picked this particular episode because it's at the very beginning of the show like I said it's only the fourth episode of the entire series and it shows the beginning of Corey and Topanga's love story they were each other's first kiss and it's a way for us to get to know all the members of the family as well so we get to see their parents and how they interact with their parents we get to see how he interacts with his best friend Sean and the type of hijinks they get involved in we see his relationship with his big brother Eric and also we see get a feeling for Mr. Feeney as well so it's a good introductory episode and it's super early in the show's history 
So the next episode we're going to take a look at is season four, episode 16, entitled A Long Walk to Pittsburgh, Part one. So this episode occurs about in the middle of the series and it shows us one of the hardest and rockiest points in Corey and Topanga's relationship. So I thought that we would follow that arc of Corey and Topanga's relationship, which for me was basically like the cornerstone of the show. So this time a different theme song comes on. It's music only. And there's like this boring picture of them in like a convertible driving through some green screen, whatever. And I'm like, where's the theme song that I know and love? Okay. But anyways, the show opens up and Eric, Corey's older brother, walks into a local hangout slash restaurant called Chubby's where he sees Sean and Topanga. Sean again is Corey's best friend and Topanga is Corey's girlfriend at this point and they are hugging and they kiss. And so Eric brings Corey a steak from Chubby's to soften the blow when he delivers the bad news about seeing Corey's best friend and girlfriend hugging and kissing. So Eric tells Corey, Corey's obviously upset and he approaches both of them at school the next day and they're both acting really jumpy, okay? But Topanga ends up leaving by lying about her schedule and you can tell that she's like really uncomfortable and needs to get out of there. So when she leaves, Corey confronts Sean head on and Sean is actually really mature about it. And he's like, look, Topanga got into a fight with her parents. I gave her a hug and I gave her a little innocent kiss to comfort her. And it was nothing more than that. Also never give a comforting kiss to your best friend's girlfriend. Still very inappropriate. And I get that it was supposed to be innocent or whatever. And it was also supposed to add like the little cherry on top of it feeling like a betrayal. But there's no reason for you to kiss your best friend's girlfriend. <laughs> like there is none. Okay. But the good thing about it is that Sean actually was honest and he didn't escalate the situation. So Corey actually goes to his brother Eric and says, hey, like you turned this into something more than it should have been. You insinuated that they betrayed me and X, Y, and Z and like you need to mind your business kind of essentially. But then Eric goes back to Chubby's and then he hems up Sean because he's like, oh, you think you can just hurt Corey and get away with it? But then Corey comes in, stops Eric from hurting Sean and then <laughs> and then Corey hymns Sean up he's like you know something bad happened and Topanga hasn't told me and you haven't told me so you need to tell me what's up Sean basically tells him you gotta talk to Topanga about this and I think in general besides kissing Topanga Sean really handled the situation really well okay so yeah Corey I'm assuming climbs a tree. I don't know if he was in a tree or not. He had to be in a tree. Corey climbs a tree and knocks on Topanga's second story window and climbs into it. I feel like I see this a lot in television. I've never had anybody climb in my window. Never. I would be in so much trouble. I don't know what the heck is going on with these kids. <laughs> but anyways... Corey gains entry into Topanga's bedroom through the window and he kisses her before he threatens to kill her for keeping a secret from him. And then he basically opens the door for them to have a conversation. Like, I love you. I know you're hiding something from me. Like, just tell me. And then she kisses him and then threatens to kill him too. And then Topanga gets like really emotional. And then Corey does this weird thing where he calls a stop time. I had a hard time figuring out what this was. I was like, was this something that they do in their relationship? 
friendship in Boy Meets World? Or is this something related to sports where people call a timeout or something? I looked it up and couldn't find anything. I don't know. But essentially, what it sounds like is that when somebody calls a stop time, we stop time in this moment, we enjoy the present, and we don't ruin it with whatever's coming next. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a way to avoid uncomfortable and bad situations, which, of course, is always the best thing to do as opposed to, you know, addressing things head on. But While he calls for a stop time, she starts crying and he's like, well, you're not supposed to cry during stop time. Like something must be really bad. And Corey notices that there are boxes in her room and Topanga finally comes out with it and says that she and her family are leaving Philadelphia and moving to Pittsburgh because her mom got transferred to another job. Not only are they leaving and moving 300 miles away, they're leaving the day after tomorrow. Topanga, the day after tomorrow, you told Sean days ago. Well, no, was it yesterday? Maybe it was yesterday. You told Sean yesterday. You couldn't tell a day after tomorrow, girl. That's a lot. Anyways, by this point in time, they are both 16 or 17 years old. I believe they're 16. So, you know, 16 year olds don't do really well at addressing issues head on, <laughs> especially when they're really painful. So once the whole situation is out there, there's a bunch of cheesy teenage love dialogue. Okay. I don't care if I have to walk to Pittsburgh and I don't believe in Pittsburgh. And like, what are we going to do? All of this is just a test for our love. And so Later on, we see Corey talking to his mom and dad and they're like, "Mm, you probably need to be realistic. It's going to be more difficult for you all to maintain a relationship from 300 miles away than you think it is. The mom is coming like a little bit more hard with it and is basically saying like, yo, this whole long distance relationship thing is difficult for anyone at any age. And with you being 16, like it's going to be even harder. And the dad is kind of a little more softer on this subject, like asking the mom, like, why do you have to be so hard about it? But eventually Corey kind of gets upset with them because he feels like they're being, I guess, negative about their situation and not really believing that they can work things out, even if it is long distance. So he akins them to the star-crossed lovers, Romeo and Juliet. And so we see Corey in his backyard reading Romeo and Juliet when Mr. Feeney comes out to talk to him. Remember, they are neighbors with Mr. Feeney and their backyards are adjacent to each other. So Mr. Feeney comes out to talk to him and, you know, Corey is like, we're like Romeo and Juliet and everything's going to be all right. And Mr. Feeney is like, you should skip to the end of the story. You don't know what happens at the end. And so he finally reads a few of the lines and realizes that they die at the end. (laughs) Romeo and Juliet do die at the end of Romeo and Juliet. So Feeney basically says that this is an opportunity and a defining moment in Corey's life. So Feeney basically says, listen to your heart. Corey runs over to Topanga's and basically begs her to marry him. He's getting desperate. He's like, I know it's going to be difficult because we're 16 and I ain't got no job, but we're going to work it out. And Topanga's like, nah, like, nah. So they kind of get to this point where they're more accepting of how difficult things are going to be. You know, it's one of those situations where it's like the 
what is it? The five stages of grief? A lot of people say that that's not true. Like the five stages of grief are an oversimplification or not really accurate about what happens with people in grief. But this particular episode kind of highlights the five stages of grief of their relationship. The five stages of grief are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And so throughout the show, we get to see kind of all of these things happening to them. So the whole denial situation of like, oh, I don't believe in Pittsburgh or like, I can't believe this is happening. And then there's the anger, like Corey gets mad at his parents for like standing in the way of him and his, you know, girlfriend. And then there's bargaining like, oh, you should marry me so we can (laughs) do this. And another part of the bargaining that's happening is that they're doing this plan for their communication. Now that they finally kind of accepted that they're going to be apart from each other, they're like, in order for us to maintain our relationship, we have to come up with a communication plan. We're going to see each other every weekend. We're going to write to each other every day. And then they start thinking about, oh, if you're going to be in Pittsburgh, there are going to be tons of guys that are interested in you. And Topanga, for whatever reason, believes tons of girls will be interested in Corey. I don't know why. Corey is a lot of things. The thing that we like about him the most is that he's a regular guy. Okay. He's not overly or underly attractive. He's just like a neutral dude. So I'm sure there would be a girl or two that might be interested in him, but Topanga would clean up. Okay. Let's just be honest about that. Okay. And Corey does make a joke about that. So at least there's some self-awareness around that. (laughs) And of course, Topanga keeps his jean jacket. That's one of the things that I forgot kind of about teenage love is like, you know, guys giving girls their jackets. It's kind of sweet. But later on, we see Corey at Chubby's drinking root beers like he is depressed, which is the fourth stage of grief, depression. And so <laughs> Sean is coming across as really insensitive to his needs. And Sean basically says he's seen a lot of TV shows that basically are a depiction of what happens in real life. The girl never moves away on TV shows because if their love is really meant to be, they always end up together. Sean is in denial, basically. And he's like, Corey, you and Topanga don't deserve that kind of pain. So things are going to work out for you. So when Topanga comes over later that night to say goodbye, Corey starts speaking hopefully. And he's like, you know, we're going to be together. We're going to hang out. You're not going to move. And he's making it harder than it has to be. And Topanga is like, just say goodbye to me and give me a kiss like this is it like this is the last time I'm going to see you my parents are waiting for me we're heading to Pittsburgh tonight and Corey just doesn't really want to accept it and so she kisses him but he kind of brushes her away and Sean is there and he's convinced that you know when Topanga leaves that the car is going to turn around that they're going to come back and it's going to be a scene in an airport where they run into each other's arms and they just can't be separate but you know this is not a tv show even though this is a tv show (laughs) the situation It's not a TV show and Corey is obviously in pain and Eric comes up to him and he's like, you know, Pittsburgh really isn't that far. And Eric tries to spend some time with him to cheer him up, but Corey doesn't want to do anything. So Eric stays with Corey to support him in his heartbreak. And this is one of the tender moments that we see between Eric and Corey. And in this episode, Eric is quite the protective older brother, which is nice to see. So. 
In an effort to save time, I'm going to do a super brief synopsis of part two of this episode. So in season four, episode 17, Topanga runs away from Pittsburgh and shows up on Corey's doorstep, unbeknownst to her parents. So she, yeah, like I said, she ran away. So after some discussion and arguments, Corey's mom is kind of able to present some convincing arguments about why Topanga shouldn't be forced to move during her last year of high school. So at the end of the day, Topanga is allowed to live with her aunt in Philadelphia so that she and Corey can maintain their relationship and Topanga doesn't have to be uprooted in her last year of high school. So yeah, that's that happy ending, right? So I picked this episode because it shows the evolution of the relationship with Corey and Topanga. And the show also has things that like young people would identify with. Like everyone can identify with having a friend or romantic partner move away and like really experiencing a loss of control and losing someone that's really important to you when you're young. I feel like it shows Corey's parents and Feeney as impactful adult figures. It demonstrates his relationship with Sean and his brother Eric, and it makes Corey seem really human. And it's refreshing to see a young boy experience heartbreak in the way that Corey is experiencing it and really taking it in. Unfortunately, because this is TV, that's really where the reality of this <laughs> show stopped for me. I could never imagine in my life the adults who were a part of my life working to make sure that my 16 year old lover <laughs> gets to stay in town. If anything, they would be rolling out the red carpet for them to leave and throwing a going away party. Okay. Making sure the stars align. So the 16 year old romance doesn't die in the flames of happenstance is so unrealistic to me, but yeah, that's either TV or white people for you. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. And finally, we are going to end with reviewing season five, episode 17, entitled And Then There Was Sean. This episode is actually heralded as one of the most iconic episodes. And it's a scary whodunit episodes that kind of explores the teen horror genre in a cool way. So I wanted to do an episode at each kind of stage in the lives of the characters. But I couldn't help but do this episode because it's listed on IMDb as literally the most popular episode. And some of the later cast members that come along, Angela and Jack, are a part of this episode. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be reviewing any episodes that uh, Rachel is in. But I feel like this is like a really cool depiction of how the show evolved towards the end of the series. So Finally, when this episode comes on, the theme song that I know and love comes on. And I'm like, finally, like I didn't realize that the Boy Meets World theme song that I knew didn't come out till later in the series, like much later, because the last episode that I reviewed was season four. So the theme song that I know didn't come on till season five, which was actually pretty shocking to me because I really enjoy that song. So... In the episode, we see Corey, Sean, Topanga, and Angela, who are all in Mr. Feeney's class. At this point, Corey and Topanga are actually broken up because of a kiss from a girl at a ski lodge. So Sean needs to be kind of a physical buffer to sit between Corey and Topanga. And he claims that he wants to stay out of the whole situation, but he's taking their breakup pretty hard. And so a guy named Kenny tries to borrow a pencil from Topanga and Sean goes crazy insinuating that Kenny wants more from Topanga than a pencil. And so this causes a disturbance in the class between 
all of them basically. So Feeny steps in to separate them and move them to different sections of the class and the kids end up getting detention. But before that, there's this weird, creepy janitor who has like the palest skin in history. His name is Freddie and he comes in with like this weird doom and gloom situation to kind of set the mood that this is going to be like horror episode. And so <laughs> the kids get detention with Mr. Feeney and that includes Kenny, Sean, Angela, Corey, and Topanga. And detention is an hour and a half, y'all. I went to detention a lot in high school and it's not because of behavioral problems. It's because we live far away from the school and if you arrived to school late, you were assigned detention. So I was assigned detention because I was late to school all the time. So I figured, I guess they thought I needed to make up for the time that I missed. I don't freaking know, but whatever. Feeney leaves the room and leaves the children there on their own and they end up being locked inside. And so the creepy janitor comes back and stares into the classroom. So they're like, hey, can you unlock the classroom for us? And he's like, nah, and just walks away. <laughs> and so suddenly the map that is like lowered down in front of the chalkboard magically like retracts and the phrase no one gets out alive is written on the chalkboard in blood. And this is where we establish Angela Sean's black girlfriend as the screamer of this episode. She screams at everything that's alarming in this episode. It's a pretty good scream. And so the kids try to figure out what's going on. And once again, Sean is using his knowledge of media, in this case, horror movies to narrate and surmise what's going on throughout basically the whole episode. He believes that Feeney is trying to teach them something by creating some weird hoax to scare them. Kenny is going to be their first victim, he surmises. And this is a nod to South Park, a show that all of the castmates apparently were really into at the time. So this weird heartbeat sound happens and the door opens to reveal Eric and Jack. Apparently they came to the school to play basketball and they went into the locker room and there was blood in the showers. <laughs> I guess they didn't think that was weird, but they still think that Feeney is behind it. And Kenny starts to stand up to Corey and someone turns out the lights. And when the lights come back on, Angela, the resident screamer screams to alert us to the fact that Kenny has been impaled with a super large pencil through his forehead. And then this is when Eric says, they kill Kenny in his Cartman voice, which everyone really enjoys because we all know what that means. And it's a pop culture reference. So they run into the hallway and a weird song. This song was actually very creepy to me, comes on the loudspeaker and it says something along the lines of they're going to die. Sean is calm because again, his knowledge of horror movies is going to save him apparently. And everyone else is kind of running around to find an exit, but all of the doors are locked and chained. So when Sean continues to narrate what he thinks is going to happen next, we see more flickering lights, a creepy song, and just as Sean predicts, Feeney shows up. He falls over on his face to reveal a pair of scissors stabbed into his back. So Feeney is dead, okay? And the kids are freaking out. The kids keep theorizing about what's going on. And so Sean is like, hey, versions in these shows never die or in these movies never die. And so we see Corey thanking Topanga for saving him. So we know Corey and Topanga are both versions. We see Eric and Jack are gonna die. So they're not versions. And then Sean is basically gonna get to second base, <laughs> the second base of death, which I thought was pretty funny. It's a decent joke and a more adult joke. By this time in season five, they are 17 or 18 years old. So they are nearing their last few years of high school. 
or in their last year of high school, maybe. And then <laughs> Eric and Sean celebrate the fact that Feeney died because he wasn't a virgin, which again is hilarious. But then they try to come up with the plan. Do we split up? Do we stay together? Who do we think did it? Someone says the creepy janitor. And then Sean gets all weird and starts blaming everything on Topanga for breaking up Corey. It kind of came out of nowhere. And basically, I guess he was saying like they wouldn't have been arguing and they wouldn't have been in detention for disrupting class if Topanga had just stayed with Corey. And it's like, okay, that's a weird leap in logic to say that a murderer is on the loose <laughs> because <laughs> they broke up. Like, huge leap in logic, okay? So next thing we know, they hear the squeaky janitor's cart and they run to find the cart rolling by itself. But the dead janitor is inside the cart and a weird cloaked person keeps running around in the background. Like the characters never see him, but we see the character run through a few times. So they surmise that the killer has to be one of them. And so Eric volunteers to look for a way out and he runs right into Jennifer Love Hewitt. She claims to be a new student named Jennifer Love Pfefferman, <laughs> which is very funny, who was locked into the school when she was doing study hall. So Will Friedel, who's the actor who plays Eric, was actually dating Jennifer Love Hewitt at the time. And of course, she was famous for being in I Know What You Did Last Summer. So it's appropriate that she would be in an episode like this. The other kids spot Jennifer, who they nicknamed Feffy, and Eric is making out with her so they come out to meet her they don't know if they can trust her and then the phone rings in the hallway it's like a payphone and Feffy screams but then Angela is like oh no I'm the screamer around here okay and so Jack answers the phone a creepy man asks what their favorite horror movie is they mention scream so again this is a nod to the teen slasher films that were pretty popular at this point in time and then when they finally realize that they can use the phone to ask for help again Again, why they didn't think they could use the phone to ask for help in the beginning is just, I guess, a part of horror movies of like, we don't realize we can call for help until it's too late. I don't know. <laughs> but when Corey points that out, Eric gets so excited that he actually destroys the phone, like the connection between the phone and the receiver. So now they can't use it at all. But then the phone rings again and the creepy killer is basically like, hey, I'm coming to kill you. And so they all run off together. And it's like, if you disconnected the phone, how's the phone still working? I didn't get that. I didn't get that. But anyways, they go to the library and we can see that somebody's watching them in the library. So Angela and Topanga don't trust Jennifer Love Pfefferman, but they all kind of split up in the library. And Feffy kisses Corey on the cheek while, <laughs> while Topanga is looking at her watching from behind. But then someone drops a bunch of books on top of Jennifer Love Pfefferman. They're dressed in a cloak with a skeleton mask. And so Eric comes over because he's distraught because she's about to die from being bludgeoned to death with Babysitter's Club. And... <laughs> She's about to tell Eric who the killer was, but then the killer drops books on Eric too, killing him. This is the absolute most PG way to die. Okay. Dying by books falling on you in the library. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when Jack sees that Eric is dead, he's like, oh, he is about to jump out of the window because 
Eric's death basically means that he's not going to be able to pay all the rent on the home that they shared together. And then when Angela goes out to comfort him, the killer pushes them both off the ledge. And so the remaining alive people surround the killer. There's only Topanga, Corey, and Sean left. When the killer is asked, why are you doing this? The killer puts Topanga's hand in Corey's hand to demonstrate that they're doing it to bring Cora and Topanga back together. And then they unmask the killer to reveal that it is Sean. And so the real Sean wakes up from his detention dream and Sean takes up for the rest of the crew that's in detention. And he's like, it's actually my fault that we're all here. Can you let everybody else go and I'll stay here in detention? He says that Corey and Topanga were together before he knew them, which is not true. Just based on the episode that I reviewed earlier today, Sean and Corey were best friends before he even really got introduced to Topanga. So there are a lot of inconsistencies about their relationship history that happened through throughout the show. And I kind of don't understand why it's just kind of lazy with the incontinuities or discontinuities, lack of continuity. Uh, <laughs> anyways, he basically says that if Corey and Topanga broke up, we can't rely on anything. And he's basically just kind of mad that he can't fix it. So Feeney understands and lets them all go home. And then they leave the class and the cloaked killer leaves out behind them. And so the ending scene is where Mr. Feeney is running his class like a sergeant. And he wakes up to see that the class is actually out of control, throwing paper, yelling, doing all that stuff before handling a pair of scissors in an unsafe manner. So that's the end of that episode, y'all. I picked this particular episode because it is listed as the best episode according to IMDb. We get to meet Jack and Angela and it demonstrates that the show actually used a lot of pop culture references. It was parodying teen thrillers. It included Jennifer Love Hewitt. It included a South Park reference. The show really was a show for the times, okay? And it also showed that Corey and Topanga's relationship wasn't all cake and flowers. They did experience a breakup that actually really impacted the friend group. And so my husband and I were a part of the same friend group in college, and we didn't tell anyone we were dating for three months because we didn't want anything going on with our relationship to disrupt the group. So after three months, I think we both felt more secure and letting our friends know what was going on because by that time, I think we were more sure that we would stick around. And that was eight or nine years ago. So I think we did the right thing, y'all. <laughs> so later on, Corey and Topanga go on to get married and have kids and make a totally different show. But I wanted to review these top three episodes to take us on a journey through their relationship, especially since a lot of what happens in the show revolves around their love. So that's it for my review of Boy Meets World. At the end of every review, we ask if the show or movie holds up today and if it's worth a rewatch. I want to say mostly yes to both of these questions. I found the episodes to be pretty entertaining and nostalgic. And that's just the point, okay? The show was so tuned into the current times that I feel like it holds up the best for people who were around to witness the 90s. I don't know that if I showed this show to a 12-year-old today that they would 
will be able to keep up with those references, those cultural references from that time period, but they could understand just about everything else. Because the show is about a normal kid going through life with a love interest and a best friend and parents and siblings and a stern teacher, I feel like the show could really be relatable to people from any generation. So if I had the time, I would consider rewatching it just to remember more of the show that I watched as a child and to relive the moments of the 90s, which is actually one of my favorite decades, okay? It was a good show and I understand why a lot of us millennials took to it so well. Once again, I find that Rotten Tomatoes doesn't really do a good job of reviewing TV shows, but the audience gave it a score of 90% for the overall show, which I think is great. And I think I agree. I had a really good time rewatching it and I think you might too. So thanks so much for listening to my review of Boy Meets World here at Sub Media Reviews. Be sure to tune in next week when I and some amazing co-hosts review Cheetah Girls on the 20th anniversary of its release on Disney Channel. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Sub Media Reviews. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane just as much as I did. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like me to review next, or if you just want to share your thoughts on today's episode, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Pinterest at Sub Media Reviews and on SubMediaReviews.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps me improve the show and spread the word to new listeners. So until next time, peace out, home slices. Peace out.